0: So tonight's discussion is about the doctrine of Christ and how it pertains to the two great commandments. And the intent tonight is to show through scriptures um, that the two great commandments um, are evidence. They are fruits. They're results of one Man or women abiding through and in the doctrine of Christ. And that to fulfill these two great commandments, um, it is by the doctrine of Christ that one comes into both knowledge and experience of what it truly means to love God with all their heart, might, mind, and strength. And understanding how to love their neighbor and extend that same love that they have received. Um, but before we get into those specific uh, stories in the in the New Testament, um, we need to lay out some important principles as it pertains to the doctrine of Christ and how it relates to fulfilling the two great commandments. And we're going to start in Doctrine and Covenants section 10 Verses 64 to 69. And here in these verses, um, the Lord is giving a mystery pertain to his perspective or his viewpoint on who he considers to be his church and his people. And, and here he does knock down the precepts that um, a single institution or group has the proprietary on being considered as his church, but more that to be of his church is to be in a state of being. We begin in 64. Therefore, I will unfold unto them this great mystery. For behold, I will gather them as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. If they will not harden their hearts, their hearts. Yea, if they will come, they may and partake of the waters of life freely. Behold, this is my doctrine and whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me. The same is my church. Now, the Lord here is he's generic in explaining that. Those that come unto me. And repent, they are of my church. And as we get into later verses, the Lord does get more specific as to what it means to come unto him. But this is to classify and consider that those of his church, they come into both knowledge and experience of what it truly means to repent and come unto him. 68, and whoso declareth more or less than this, the same is not of me, but is against me; therefore, he is not of my church. Now, the Lord is specifically in the Book of Mormon. He is quite clear on this this teaching of what it means to be of His church. And if we look at 2 Nephi twenty-eight, um, and then in these these chapters, so Nephi, Second Nephi twelve to twenty-four. Nephi is outlining um, those chapters from Isaiah, specifically from Isaiah 2 to 14. And by by chapter 25, Nephi has seen, he's seen from the beginning to end the house of Israel. He's seen the beginning to end of his people, the Nephites and the Lamanites. And he's seen the beginning to the end of of the Gentiles. And so from 25 on, you can see that the Lord Nephi chronologically, he outlines what's going to happen. So when we look at 2 Nephi 25, he is outlining and illustrating what is going to happen to the house of Israel. And in 26, he's outlining what happens to his people from uh, the beginning to the end and by the end of 26 the gentiles are beginning to be introduced and that they will receive the fullness and by 27 chapter 27 of second nephi he is specifically uh talking towards those that will have in possession the book of mormon and in second nephi 27 that's where we get You know, the interpretation and the understanding of the Book of Mormon and both the still portion of the Book of Mormon. And so by chapter 28, he then is articulating those who become of those of chapter 27, which is the Gentiles, which is those of the LDS faith um, and those of the restoration groups. And really if you look at chronologically there is really no other people he is speaking towards in chapter 28 and this is why by chapter 29 he then is expounding beyond the gentile LDS church and now it's more broad to uh the gentiles christian base and that for that reason in chapter 29 he's the lord is speaking a bible a bible they shall not They shall say they have a Bible and they need no more. Um, So when we look at chapter 28 and who it's pointing to as it being those that will have in possession the book of Mormon. Chapter 8, verse 3. Nephi says, For it, it shall come to pass in that day that the churches which are built up and not unto the Lord When the one shall say unto the other, behold, I, I am the Lord's, and the other shall say, I, I am the Lord's, and thus shall every one say that hath built up churches and not unto the Lord. So according to Nephi, you know, he warns against the platitudes of those that will seek to gain through institutional power. the proprietary of being proclaimed that they are his, without teaching what the fullness of the gospel is, and that it is designed to change the nature of a man and a woman. doctor comes 39. Now here the Lord becomes a lot more specific as what it means to come unto him, and he is very direct as to um, what it means not to come unto him and what it means to come unto him. The same which came into the morning of time unto mine own, and mine own received me not. But to as many as received me, gave I power to become the sons, and even so will I give unto as many as will receive me power to become my sons. And verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth my gospel receiveth me. And he that receiveth not my gospel receiveth not me. So the Lord is outlining, you know, I came unto my people, the Jews, and they received me not. And if they had received me, they would have received my gospel. And if they would have received my gospel, they would have received power to be my sons and my daughters. Now in verse six, the Lord does outline specifically what the gospel is. And he says, and it, and this is my gospel, repentance and baptism by water. And then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, even the comforter, which is the first comforter, which showeth all things and teacheth the peaceable things of the kingdom. Now, you know, a few important words here are, and then cometh. You know, this is the Lord indicating that there is there is a requirement um, that needs to be illustrated and dem- demonstrated that they may receive the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and we find that in 3 Nephi 9. Now, here in 3 Nephi 9, the Lord uses, you know, similar language unto those that receive him and receive him not. And in 16, I came unto mine own, and my, my own received my, me not. And the scriptures concerning my coming are fulfilled. And as many as have received me, to them have I given to become the sons of God, and even so will I to as many as shall believe on my name. For behold, by me redemption cometh, and in me is the law of Moses fulfilled. And if you shall offer unto me no more the shedding of blood, Yea, your sacrifices and your burnt offerings shall be done away. For I will accept none of your sacrifices and your burnt offerings, and ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. So this is the term of the new and everlasting covenant. And the Lord is indicating those that come forth with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he will baptize them with fire. He will give them power to become his sons and daughters. So just to reemphasize the importance of a broken heart and a contrite spirit, which, in essence, it was what the Lord was teaching concerning the two great commandments, which was to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. But looking at Second Nephi chapter 2, you know, the Lord is, he's absolute when it comes to a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Verse 5, and men are instructed sufficiently that they know good from evil. And the law is given unto men, and by the law no flesh is justified. Or by the law men are cut off. Yea, by the temporal law they were cut off, and also by the spiritual law. They perish from that which is good, and become miserable before ever. Wherefore, redemption cometh in and through the holy Messiah, for he is full of grace and truth. Now, to be born in a celestial world. And to receive of flesh. You know, we become subject to that law that cuts us off us off from God. And by so doing, you know we uh, are subject of spiritual death and are in need to be reborn spiritually. Now verse seven is the crutch of it. And the Lord is specific to those who will receive redemption and salvation. Verse 7, For behold, he offers himself a sacrifice for sin, to answer the ends of the law unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And unto none else can the ends of the law be answered. So here the Lord is specific. It is only those that bring forth a broken heart and a contrary spirit. And it is none other. And so it is by this term, we seek for revelation in asking and giving father permission to give us the experiences that we need and the revelation we need to Put aside the things of the flesh and to do the will of our Father so that we, we, we may have his name extended unto us and to receive the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Third Nephi 11. Now, this is the chapter in which um, Nephites and converted Lamanites qualify through tribulation to be a witness of Christ when he comes. Now, an interesting thing is that the first thing that Christ does, or one of the first things, is he has to lay out or put aside the contention that is pertaining to his doctrine. It is his, the first thing that he does is to clarify and make clear what his doctrine is. Verse 32, and this is my doctrine, and it is the doctrine which the Father hath given unto me. And I bear record of the Father, and the Father beareth record of me, and the Holy Ghost beareth record of the Father and me. And I bear record that the Father commandeth all men everywhere to repent and believe in me. This is part one of the doctrine. Verse 33. And whosoever believeth in me and is baptized, the same shall be saved, and they are they who shall inherit the kingdom of God. Baptism of water being part two. Uh, witnessing unto the Father that you are willing to take upon his name. 35, Verily I say unto you that this is my doctrine, and I bear record of it from the Father. And whosoever believeth in me believeth in the Father also. And unto him will the Father bear record of me, for he will visit him with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Now, verse 40 is a foundational scripture pertaining to the doctrine. Um, and in verse 40, and whosoever shall declare more or less than this and establish it for my doctrine, the same cometh of evil and is not built upon my rock, but he buildeth upon a soundy foundation and the gates of hell shall, shall, uh, the gates of hell stand open to receive such when the floods come and the winds beat upon them. Now, one thing I want to, um, To make notice is the words, establish it for my doctrine. To establish something for his doctrine is to establish something that has power to save. And so, you know, we have two great examples of when we look at all those before Christ, uh, the house of Israel and the Jews, and specifically the law of Moses. Um, the law of Moses for the Jews became a doctrine that they viewed that had power to save. And um, by the mere doing of the law of Moses, they believed that their salvation was secured. And that was incorrect. And it was going beyond the doctrine. And to understand that, Nephi has the best... Understanding. And so in 2 Nephi 25, in in correlation to this, um, Nephi is teaching that we teach our children the deadness of the law pertaining to the law of Moses, but we understand that it points to Christ. And the mistake that was made is they made that law doctrine. And so he says this starting in verse. Uh, 25, behold, <clears throat> for for this end was the law given. This is pertaining to the law of Moses, wherefore the law hath become dead unto us. And we are made alive in Christ because of our faith, yet we keep the law because of the commandments. And we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, we write according to the to our prophecies that our children may know what source they may look for a remission of their sins. Wherefore we speak concerning the law that our children may know the deadness of the law. And they, by knowing the deadness of the law may look forward unto that life, which is in Christ. You know, a modern example of this is where, uh, There are many have made the temple like unto the law of Moses in which the mere attending or the performance of those those doings in the temple that they have power to save. But in actuality, they are to direct and point us to that which has power to save, which is Christ. Now, the last few points pertaining to the doctrine of Christ before we get into the two great commandments is pertaining to faith, hope, and charity. Um, Moroni is very specific on this. The sons of Mosiah are also two, but these principles, they go hand in hand with the doctrine of Christ and they have direct meaning to what it means to fulfill the, the two great commandments given in the the New Testament. Alma 7, 24. And see that you have faith, hope, and charity, and then will you abound in good works. Now, uh, in later verses, we're going to get a little bit into good works and what that really means. But understanding faith and hope and charity is is vital uh, to understanding and abiding in the doctrine of Christ. Ether 12, 28. Behold, I will show unto the Gentiles, and this is specifically referencing to those Gentiles that will have in possession the Book of Mormon their weaknesses their weakness, and I will show unto them that faith, hope, and charity bringeth unto me the fountain of all righteousness so some in some later verses we're going to um, combine these into the doctrine of Christ and um, through the scriptures, we will see how you know, these sp- specific principles are vital in fulfilling the two great commandments. So now we're going to jump into Mark, um, you know, laying out the doctrine of Christ and connect um, and it to what Christ was trying to teach in the New Testament. Verse 28, And one of the scribes came having heard, them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And this is the first commandment. And the second is like Namely, this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love God to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered discreetly, okay, so a key word is the word discreetly. Um, To answer discreetly is to answer in a way that's agreeable, but it is to avoid embarrassment, to avoid the crutch of the matter. So this scribe or Pharisee, he is seeking to be in agreeability with Christ and to hide from the true matter of asking the Lord, "Well, Lord, what does it mean then to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor? He doesn't, and the Savior, he recognizes it. 35. And Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how say the scribes that Jesus is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, the Lord said of my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore himself called him Lord, and whence is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go long clothing and long salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uttermost rooms of the feast, which devour widow houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater condemnation. So in essence, the scribes were in assumption. I agree with you, Lord. And because I agree with you, I must understand these things. I must be doing these things. And um, because I am in, in a stature of leadership and a position, I'm in exact commonality with you. And so here is a perfect example of an individual turning his heart to his own precepts And he is actually rejecting the Lord. And he does not receive greater light and knowledge. John 21. Now, John 21 is the chapter right before we go into Acts 1. And Acts 1 and 2 is is the, the story of when the 12 apostles receive a baptism of fire and a baptism of the Holy Ghost. And to note what's interesting is that the 12 apostles, they had, they had been with Christ for some time. They had seen much, they had done much, but they had not yet received the baptism of, baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in here, in these verses, the Lord is trying to teach them a principle that they do not understand yet. But they will in acts as they receive the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 13. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of jo- Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith, to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee, and Jesus Said unto him, Feed my sheep. So here, you know, in essence, the Lord is asking um, or trying to stir in their hearts, you know, Peter, do you understand what it means to love me with all your heart, might, mind, and strength? And his response is, Well, then feed my sheep. Or in essence, Extend the love that I give unto you, unto your neighbor. And he says it three times because Peter does not yet fully understand what it means fully to love God with all his heart and to love his neighbor. So now we get into Acts 1. Where the Lord is indicating that in coming days, they're going to receive The baptism of fire, the baptism of the ghost. And in verse four, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father. Now The promise of the father is the first comforter uh, to receive the Holy Ghost, which saith he, hath he heard of me? Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. But ye shall receive power, and after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So, um, the Lord is indicating in coming days they're going to receive you know, the first comforter. And when they do um, we'll go to Acts 2 uh, here as it, it explains their experience. Verse one, And when the day of Pentecost was full come, fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a, s- a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. So their spiritual eyes are open and they see as it is their experience, cloven tongues of fire that fall upon them. And, you know, right after they receive the Holy Ghost, they begin to speak in other languages as the day of Pentecost, there were gathered there many um, people of different languages, and the people were astonished. And those that did not understand, they did um, they did rebuke and make fun of them thinking that they were speaking in some odd tongues, but they were speaking in the language of those that were there. Now, if you notice, you know, Peter, he is, before this experience, Peter, in many ways, he's up and he's down. hes um, He hasn't been um, tamed as of yet. And you can see from Acts and moving forward, he is a different man. And in verse 26, therefore, did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also, my flesh re- shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy counts. Now, I would suggest. Now that Peter has received the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he has been filled with love, a pure love. And now he understands to a greater degree what it means to fulfill the commandment to love God with all his heart, might, mind, and strength. And now he's extending knowledge unto his neighbor, that they may experience the same love and a remission of sin that he has. And in 37, you know, when the people have been pricked by the Holy Spirit, you know, they, they ask him, as it says in 37, Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and, and to your children, and to that all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. So in essence, the people are, scream, are are pleading, how may we receive what you have received? And he lays out the doctrine of Christ and how they may. Now we're going to jump over to Luke 10, which is the same similar, it's the same teaching, but there is some great symbolism here in which the Lord in symbolism does teach the doctrine of Christ to teach a lawyer how he's going to or how he can fulfill the two great commandments. So starting in verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So in essence, it's kind of in the same way that those in Acts. Peter, how do we receive this being eternal life? 26. And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He's asking them, What is your understanding? 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So the lawyer here, you know, he is different than the Pharisee or the, the scribe before. He is actually now asking the Lord, Lord, what do I lack? How do I fulfill these commandments? And so this time, the Lord is actually going to teach the doctrine of Christ because he is seeking in humility to understand. But he's going to use symbolism in teaching the doctrine of Christ. And in verse 30. And Jesus answering said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and which stripped him of his remnants and wounded him and he departed, leaving him half dead. Now, this verse, much of it is symbolic. That man leaving Jerusalem is symbolic of one leaving the presence of God into a telestial world and being amongst thieves or The adversary being stripped of remnant and being wounded by a telestial world. This is symbolic of us. Verse 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, the priest, what he really lacked was knowledge. to help wound up this man. He didn't know how. Verse 32, And likewise a Levite, when he was at place, came and looked on him and passed by the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound him his wounds pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So, you know, this is symbolic of both the Samaritan being both Christ and a servant of the Lord. It being Christ as the symbolism of wine and oil. It is the symbolism of baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And entering in the inn is entering in the gate. So not only is a symbolism of Christ and what he does for us, but it is also to um, the servants of the Lord to bring knowledge of the gospel or the fullness of the gospel to point a man or a woman how to come unto Christ. Verse 35, And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And he said, He that sheweth mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do likewise. In essence, the Lord is teaching him, if you desire to fulfill these two commandments, come unto me through the doctrine of Christ, receive the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the term of the covenant of a broken heart and a contrary spirit. And by receiving that gift, you you will begin to understand how to extend that same love And that same understanding unto your brother. And that is how the Lord was trying to teach how to love your neighbor. Moroni 8. Here, um, we're going to begin to include the gift of charity. A pure love as it pertains to the doctrine of Christ. Um. And as one comes into experience and knowledge of the gift of the Holy Ghost, they will come in experience and knowledge of the gift of charity, which is pure love. And in verse 17, And I am filled with charity, which is everlasting love. Wherefore, all children are alike unto me. Wherefore, I love little children. And the first fruit of repentance is baptism. And baptism cometh by faith unto the fulfilling the commandments and the fulfilling, the commandments bringeth remission of sins. And the remission of sins bringeth meekness and lowliness of heart. And because of meekness and lowliness of heart, cometh the visitation of the Holy Ghost, which comforter filleth with hope and perfect love, which love en- endureth by diligence unto prayer, unto the end shall come, when all the saints shall dwell with God. So we need to break apart a little bit of these scriptures as to one exercising faith will bring about repentance and baptism of water. And offering up a broken heart and a contrary spirit, it will bring forth a remission of sin. Now, if one receives the remission of sin, it will bring forth meekness. And lowliest of heart. And meekness is to do the will of God. You know, it was by meekness that Nephi, being commanded to slay Laban, that was meekness. Often we look at meekness as being, you know, humble, um, submissive, which it is but it is also to follow his will in all situations. Meekness and lowness of heart brings forth a visitation of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will fill one with pure love, which is the gift of charity. 2 Nephi 31. These verses nineteen twenty-one are right after the Lord has taught what, how to bring forth a broken heart and a contrite spirit and how to receive the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And in verse 19, he says, And now, my beloved brother, after you have gotten into this, this straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, nay, for you, for ye have not come this far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith, in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Now, the word holy means exclusively, completely. It indicates the depth um, of our reliance on Christ in order to bring forth a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Verse 20, wherefore, you must press forward with steadfastness in Christ, having a brightness a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men to enter into the gate and receive the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It will infuse into that man or woman a perfect brightness of hope and perfect love. But, you know, as it indicated in Moroni 8, you know, we must feast upon the words of Christ and be steadfast for it can come and it can go 21 and now behold my beloved brother this is the way and there is none other name no other way nor name given unto heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of god and now behold this is the doctrine of christ and the only and true doctrine of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost which is one god without end amen now, Moroni seven is the chapter where we can find most you know, uh, the principles pertaining to faith, hope, and charity, and as it pertains to the doctrine of Christ. Verse 43. And again, behold, I say unto you that he cannot have faith and hope, save he shall be meek and lowly in heart. So here we have a connection with Moroni eight. As pertaining to a remission of sin will bring forth meekness and lowly heart. But an important truth pertaining to faith. Um, To exercise true faith, we must abide in truth. If we abide in that which is not true, we will stumble to exercise true faith. And so as we seek truth and exercise faith in revelation that we were receiving, um, the Lord will direct us in receiving a remission of sin, which will bring forth meekness and a lowly of heart. 44. If so, his faith and hope is vain. Um, Faith and hope is designed to bring us to a remission of sin. And if we do not receive that meekness from a remission of sin, our faith and hope is in vain. For none is acceptable before God, save the meek and lowly in heart. And if a man be meek and lowly in heart and confess by the power of the Holy Ghost, because he has received the Holy Ghost, he must needs have charity. For if he have not charity, he is nothing. Wherefore, he must needs have charity. And charity, now in verse 45 and 46, the Lord is going to outline fruits of one who receives charity, which are the fruits of one who receives the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it is a great way to measure and seek revelation with the Lord in understanding if one has received such. 45, and charity suffereth long and is kind and envieth not and is not puffed up, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil and rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, if you have not charity, you are nothing, for charity never faileth. Wherefore, cleave unto charity, which is the greatest of all, for all things must fail. And so, you know, we get two terms in the scriptures um, to enter into the, the kingdom of God. And the two references are that we must be born again spiritually. And also receive the gift of charity, for if we do not... We cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 47 and 48. But charity is the pure love of Christ, and it endureth forever. And whosoever is found possessed of it at the last day, it shall dwell with him. Wherefore, my beloved brother, pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart, that ye may be filled with this love, which he hath bestowed upon all who are true followers of his Son, Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, that we may have this hope, that we may be purified even as he is purified. So the invitation for Moroni is that we pray with all of our heart that we may be Filled with this love, which is absolutely accompanied with the receiving of the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost by offering up a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Now, one of the things of the Book of Mormon that is unique and, and, and often is not well recognized is the Book of Mormon is seeking to teach a man or a woman how to cry unto God. Alma 38, eight. And it came to pass that I was three days and three nights in the most bitter pain and anguish of soul. And never until I did cry unto the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy, did I receive a remission of my sins. But behold, I did cry unto him and I did find peace to my soul. You know, here. Many men and women associated with things of God, can do many good things. But until we learn to cry with all the depths of our heart, um, do we start to begin to understand how to fully come unto Christ? Moroni 10. Again, Moroni continues to teach upon the principles of faith, hope, and charity. And one of the main focuses of Moroni 10 is in receiving the gifts of the Spirit. And faith, hope, and charity have a direct connection in receiving the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 20, wherefore, there must be faith. And if there must be faith, there must also be hope. And if there must be hope, there must also be charity. And except you have charity, ye can in no wise be saved in the kingdom of God. Neither can you be saved in the kingdom of God if you have not faith. Neither can you, neither can you if you have no hope. For if you have hope, you must needs be in despair. And despair cometh because of iniquity. And now, and Christ truly said unto our fathers, If you have faith, you can do all things which are expedient unto me. And now I speak unto all the ends of the earth, that if the day cometh that the power and gifts of God shall be done away among you, it shall be because of unbelief. Now, 25 is a really important scripture pertaining to God's view of good works. And what it means to abide in good works. Verse 25. And woe unto the children of men, if this be the case. For there shall be none that doeth good among you. No, not one. For if there be one among you that doeth good, he shall work by the power and gifts of God. Good works are directly associated with the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit are directly connected with um, the exercising of faith, hope, and charity. In continuing on the principle of good works. Dr. 35, 35.12. And there are none that doeth good, except those who are ready to receive the fullness of my gospel, which I have sent forth unto this generation. So um, there are many interpretation of good works, and that what is good. And you know, I would suggest that um, the Lord's viewpoint of good works is that which we seek to prepare ourselves to receive the fullness of the gospel, which is clearly outlined in the scriptures by by exercising faith and hope and offering up a broken heart and a contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Moroni 10, verses 33 uh, to thirty. 31 to 33. And awake and arise from the dust, O Jerusalem, yea, put on thy beautiful garments, O daughter of Zion, and strengthen thy stakes and enlarge thy borders forever, that thou mayest no more be confounded, that the covenants of the eternal father which he hath made unto thee, O house of Israel, may be fulfilled. Now, there's an important thing here. Um, The Lord references... Daughter of Zion. And this is speaking to a specific group, um, a specific people. And if you search the word daughter or daughters of Zion, you can begin to understand that this is referring to a group of individuals that have once had the fullness, but they break the covenant, they have gone astray. And they are in need of waking up. And you know how we can get a better understanding of who this is in Doctrine and Covenants 124, verse 11. You know, Doctrine and Covenants 124 is the chapter that the Lord is giving the Latter Day Saints one last chance to receive back um, the fullness of the priesthood that they did lose. And in verse 11, he says, awake, O kings of the earth, and come ye, O come ye, with your gold and and your silver to help my people to the house of the daughters of Zion. And this has direct reference into the Latter-day Saints, kings being servants of the Lord in the last days that are kings and priests, uh, priests queens and priestesses that have ascended to that level and gold and silver referencing to knowledge and the workings by the power and gifts of the spirit to awaken a people that have fallen asleep verse 32 yea come unto christ and be perfected in him and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace you may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God you are perfect in Christ, you can in no wise deny the power of God. And again, if by the grace of God you are perfect in Christ and deny not his power, then you are sanctified in Christ by the grace of God through the shedding of his blood of Christ, which is in the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins that you become holy without spot. So here Moroni is giving greater understanding that in order for a man to love God with all his heart, mind, and strength, He must offer up to receive grace or power that is sufficient um, to cause that man or woman to become a son or daughter of Christ, being fully sanctified and fully purified uh, through Christ. And so it is my, my witness and testimony that we do fulfill the two great commandments in and by the doctrine of Christ by seeking to offer up a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.